0: This is the Evolving Spiritual Practice Podcast. This conversation I talked with John Freeman. We talked about his encounter with the Jose Silva um, and the Silva method um, of developing intuition and uh, medical intuition. Um, Then that led to a 40 year exploration of this uh, for John and uh, developing it, doing his own training in it and then in turn training other people about how to develop their own intuition. Um, we all talked about the integrating the, the insights of quantum physics into our worldview and how it hasn't quite permeated the mainstream um, view of reality out there and how a lot of school education in uh science is is still very much embedded in the um Newtonian view of the world and uh we talked about how he uh John met Don Beck um, and uh became interested in spirodynamics and uh did he did lots of trainings in spirodynamics and then in turn became a trainer himself, working with individuals and organisations. So I hope you enjoy. John Freeman, thank you very much for, for joining me um, and uh, kindly sharing your journey with um, a multidisciplinary, integrated approach to life um, across these four fundamental broad domains of body, heart, mind and spirit um, as a, the same having uh, I mean, a similar conversation with many people and as I was saying uh, in the introduction to those I, my hope is that people will listen to these conversations and stories about how people have found their own way with this stuff because it's not a an off-the-shelf cookie cutter approach this is about finding uh, your unique uh, journey um, but at the same time um, paying the dues to some of the traditions and the insights of modernity and post-modernity too uh so it's not just um going uh willy-nilly you know what for whatever you want to do type of thing uh we're not kind of promoting that kind of uh you might call extreme narcissism of uh approach uh this is this is a kind of a subtle thing which is why it's good to hear lots of stories about how different people have done it because they're all unique and different and uh people can can see uh the, how it mirrors their own journey so that's my little preamble and um, uh, we've known each other for maybe oh, uh, well since about 2007 2008 that kind of time i believe and um Something like that. I've lost track. Yeah, I agree. But you're you're probably right. Yeah. And we've done um, several uh, retreats and workshops together around this stuff, um, which is how we got to know each other. Um, And uh, it's been a while since we've spoken together. So I'm I'm looking forward to catching up. And in fact, your personal journey, your kind of life story with this stuff is not something we've explored together. You've never told me. So I'm uh, kind of interested to hear about it so uh with that that, all that said um where do we start john
1: well i guess you're you're kind of asking how do i how did i get into this and what got me where i am now with it and it's been a fairly kind of um meandering unpredictable there's certainly no plan even if i look in retrospect i you know it's kind of hard to to see anything that looks like a plan i guess i was always somebody who had big questions um i came from a family or at least from a father who had big questions big political questions his his favorite question when he didn't like something that was happening in the world would be why don't they do x, whatever he thought x would be the better answer, so I think I grew up with that in my background, and when I was a teenager certainly i I just really wanted to know particularly how people think i mean I did uh, sort of take that general question of why do people do what they do on board and so that kind of sat in the background it it drove what I picked as my university course. And I was extremely frustrated that I actually didn't get any of the, what I thought were the kind of answers I was
0: looking for. What was the degree you did?
1: I did a degree in human sciences, which was a very interesting degree. It was a, it was an experimental thing that, uh, that Oxford had just started. Uh, in fact, after I went, I went up to, to study philosophy and psychology and um, philosophy was, as far as I was concerned, a lot of people asking damn silly questions and coming up with uh, inevitably silly answers. Psychology was a bit more promising, but actually it was very kind of experimental psychology because they wanted to be uh, rigid and scientific. And so I kind of came out of that dissatisfied and ended up actually I got fascinated by computers and I went into um into business working with um first as a programmer and uh, then getting into analysis and so I have a fairly extended career that followed from that and then that might come back into the conversation but what I also did uh a couple of years after university is I got married and I was really, um, I was really very ignorant about myself. I was, uh, made choices from low self-esteem, desperation, went into a marriage that really was not working. And th- what that led me to do was I was kind of looking, I was in a book, book looking help. Uh, knowing nothing about kind of self help books and something just kind of sh- shone off the page at, off the off the shelf at me and it was um it, it was about silver mind control a guy called Jose silver who produced a, a training back in the late 40s and i thought even though i'd read the book and there were lots of things that were not what i'm about to say I really thought it was going to be about relaxation, creative visualization. I thought it was going to help me deal with stress was the basis. But when I went on the course, it was a lot more than that because it was focused on developing your inner awareness and uh, using that awareness for the purposes purposes of, of healing self and others. And there was a process that we did on the last day of the training where we were kind of we were put into a situation where our task was to connect with somebody who we all we had about them was their name and their location and their gender and we were meant to detect whatever it was that somebody else in the group had put down on the card this is what their health challenge is And I had no expectation that I would be able to do anything like this. And so I was kind of getting absolutely nowhere. And then somebody suggested that I should do the technique, which is one of the ones we were taught, which is to imagine yourself putting on the person as if they were like a a helmet or a bodysuit and being inside their experience. And the instant I did that, I had an intense awareness that caused me to kind of tilt my head and screw up the left hand side of my face and I had the notion that there was a pain in the back of my head and I said does this person have a brain tumour and that turned out to be what was on the card and that was a completely jaw-dropping moment for me, it was a, a real kind of uh, uh, oh, what do I do with that moment because I'd been totally brought up as a rationalist, I was an atheist,
0: I was um,
1: I had no idea of anything in this sp- in the world that you would call spiritual. But I realised right away because I had that sort of scientific mindset and background that everything that I'd been taught about science had a huge piece missing in it because it said that what I had just experienced was impossible. And so that was the trigger for what is now almost a 40 year onward journey in which, uh, I got involved with loads of, things i mean too many to
0: we, mention would, would this fall under the umbrella of <clears throat> uh medical intuition i'm thinking of i'm thinking of uh, carolyn Caroline mace, mace who um people like yeah. that and I, I understand um that there's been a lot of i'm mean, talking of the science i I, th- I think there's been quite a lot of research scientific research done in conjunction with caroline mace is that is that right it, well, it, it, that, that's
1: right. Because for many years she worked uh, closely with um, Norman Shealy, who was uh, the the head of the um, kind of alternative medical uh, interest body in the states. And so he he did a lot of giving her a case, seeing what she came up with, finding out whether that matched what was reality. So yes. Um, I don't know if that's ever been published scientifically, but it was certainly, there was a huge body of evidence that they uh, they worked with. And I, Carolyn Mace is, you know, probably in my, you know, top five people of, of people I've followed all those years. I think her work and her books continue to be leading edge. Um, and, you know, I don't subscribe to many YouTube channels, but hers is one. Yeah
0: i was my bringing that was just just to give um, some people some kind of purchase on this what, what you know rough field that this is in well yes and and quite correctly
1: so the thing i think that kind of i i would have to say in relation to that is i certainly don't regard myself as a medical intuitive or even as a skilled intuitive um you know one of the reasons that the experience was such a surprise to me was i had no indication that i would have any uh, particular gift uh, in that direction and i would still say that i don't i mean i i know many people who who do and you you know you know my um, my ex juliana who was hugely influential in the journey that the two of us Took together and who genuinely is gifted so I um, mean I kind of you know I know the difference but one of the things that the experience did tell me was that if I can do it anyone can do it and I actually went on to become a trainer for a while for for silver um, and I saw other people have not maybe not quite such intense experiences but I I saw people turn up with results and so the background of what i'd had as an experience was in the realm of medical intuition but it goes much wider than that because it is it's couched in terms which i would still use still do use in in the way i uh, put my own intuition training material out which is that what he described as extrasensory projection so which is dis- different from ESP, which is usually called extrasensory perception. It's this notion that you, from your inner senses, can locate your, uh, your detection, your ability to know what's going on anywhere in, in time and space. And that's quite a powerful notion. It's a hugely expansive notion about what the nature of our ability to connect Is one of the things that also was part of the way that the process worked, was there was a lot of kind of preconditioning to be able to do this, which had to do with kind of dropping into a deeper space, uh intensifying the alpha brain rhythms. So it was it, it was not exactly an embodied process in the way perhaps people would call Uh, call embodied now but it did have this notion that i would describe anyway as your entire system is a resonator it's a detector it's a an aerial to pick up the tv programs of the universe so there was this fairly strong uh sense that this is not just something which sits up here or in in a kind of brain-spirit disembodied place, which a lot of of the ways of talking about spirituality, they're taking people up and out in awareness. My perception and my path has been very much given that I actually started off as a not very embodied individual. Uh, I, I... I mean, Juliana in, in in our early days together described me as, as sometimes functioning as a brain on a stalk. And, um, you know,
0: uh, <laughs> I, like a, lo- a lollipop. <laughs> to, uh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't argue with that. I was, I was. And it was a very long journey shifting out of that. So a lot of what I did was uh, all sorts of I don't know, just all sorts of what was available in what was probably then people would have called the New Age environment. And so I've had to learn more and more about how to connect with my body, how to become more aware of my emotions and how to translate this sense of a connection into a huge field of what the universe is is of what consciousness is of what the information that is available from the universe is and how that connects with us that journey has meant really expanding on on every dimension and i to feel and i've learned a huge amount about that including w- when kind of training others that everybody's way of doing that is actually different so some people hear stuff you know some people are clairaudient some people see pictures and that's the kind of common way that psychic events are prote- projected that that you, you'll you'll be given the impression that the way that you're going to get information from the universe is that it's going to kind of show up like a movie on your screen well that is maybe right for about twenty five percent of people, but it's not right for all and so discovering that my way is much more vague it's much more kind of concepts and images and notions that come into the into my space or I will um, I wait I will wake up with a song in my mind and there'll be something about this, that song, the tone of it or the specific words it has, which has to do with something that I'm wrestling with or asking as a question. So all these different ways of connecting and all these different parts of the relationship that one can have with the universe became a, just a huge area of exploration.
0: We've... um. kind of glossed over a little bit of your transition from you know being a rationalist having this experience of perceiving this um problem with a person's head that you know and and having to adapt to this new information uh and, and a new you know for want of a better word paradigm about what reality is i mean that um how what was that process like transitioning you know into this new world and it's and like, was it a lengthy process I mean you know it was very it was very
1: lengthy I really didn't get it for a while what what it did I think was it started it started the process of, ex, of exploration so I was kind of engaging with other things to find out more about myself I was seeing that there's something here and I need to know what it is And it was probably, um, I don't know, something like five years later that I realised that the underlying rationalist bit of it was that I needed to actually come up with my own way of framing. Okay, if if the science I've been taught is not complete, what's going to fill the gap? And how do they mesh together? And where is that integrated worldview? And that was a very long journey because I started thinking about it and then I started writing about it. I think I first wrote a tiny little kind of pamphlet level thing in oh, I don't know, the yeah, that would that would have been probably eight or nine years after after the event and bit by bit that grew into uh, wanting to write a book and i wrote uh, six drafts over about 25 years and finally published i I published a first version in 2008 and that felt inadequate so i kind of stopped promoting that in 2013 i promote I, i published and now still uh, I'm fairly happy with the one that I published then, which is called The Science of Possibility. So, you know, that's, uh, that's the best part of a 30-year trajectory mm. to get from the point of, okay, I'm a rationalist. I'm still a rationalist, but now I'm a rationalist plus. You know, there's a lot yeah. more in my rationality.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not, I mean, it you know, one of this, this uh, integrating impulse is um, including things that have come before. You don't just get rid of your entire history. Um, And um, so one of the, I think one thing that holds people back from taking on, so that someone uh, might have an experience like you just described and just not be able to assimilate that into their worldview because they worry that they're going to lose they're basically letting go of rationality completely and entering into this really chaotic um, intuitive uh, f- you know feely world where they just um, t- just basically cut off their head you know um, and th- that 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 kind of binary option is not the only way you know you don't you you can conserve what all the foundations that you personality and identity worldview are built upon, uh, you know, you're just building on top of that uh, and not getting rid of the foundations of, of who you are, which is quite an important, very, I mean, it seems very simple when you just, when I describe it, but a lot of people, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a, they're trying to make an either or decision. Oh, I'm either going to be this or am I going to be that? Well, you can actually be both. Um, yeah,
1: you, you can. I think that's a really use, useful observation that you've just made. And you know the other thing that happens with people that I've certainly uh, witnessed is that they, they have something, an experience of that kind, and um, it, it kind of scares the crap out of them and they they run away and they think they put they put it in a car compartment and say i'm not going there mm. and they live their lives as if it had never happened
0: i think i think that happens with psychedelics um for some people they it's a little bit like um you know where in the of gita where krishna reveals his true form to arjuna and he just like can't handle it it's like oh no 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 I, yeah so, are you sure you want to see this? And he's like, "Yeah, come on, show me." And he's like, "Ah, <laughs> no, no, no!" You know, so, um, I, I, so you know, sometimes it can provoke um, a, a, an expansion of someone's identity and worldview. But you know, the the uh, the other alternative is a very much a contraction, shrinking away from no, 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 no. That was too much. Um, I don't want that in my life.
1: Yeah, and I guess I was I was sort of lucky in the way that. The events I've described unfolded in the sense that um, there was never a point at which something happened which was truly scary. It just did. It, it, you know, it, I was just curious. And I mean, you talk about psychedelics. It, it doesn't. I I I wouldn't have mentioned the. But I. I you know, I went to university. Uh, 1970, 71, 72. I mean, it was part of the curriculum, Um, (laughs) uh, at least underneath the unwritten curriculum. Uh, And I didn't have any experiences with that that I would say made a difference to what happened later. But it's quite possible that actually they did create a certain sense of my perceptual field being more open and actually looking back, I had read all sorts of stuff. I mean, I was reading Castaneda when I was at university and, um, Timothy Leary. And so, I mean, I kind of had, yeah, I I sort of had a notion that there was something there that other people were doing. It just didn't relate to me until I had the the, the experience on that training. So, yeah, of course, you know, you, when, when you look back, you can say, well, everything's connected, and there are no accidents here. And um, yeah, I I there was some underlying sense that my soul. Prior to incarnation had had chosen a path and I was taking it even if I had no idea what it looked like Um, And I mean that would now be my my worldview. I do believe that 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 is what we do as souls I so I see myself in that context and uh, the nature of our incarnational journey as being uh, yeah, that we we came here with at least with some questions or to ask or some experiences that we were choosing to have, and of course you'd find that in Carolyn Mace as well. Soul contracts, you know, that's all part of her her world. Um, so yeah, it, it all kind of it all hangs together in that sense.
0: So you've 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 done this training, and you've you've started training people um, in this stuff. Um, were there some other things which were starting to emerge around this? Uh, I, I know you got into spirodynamic, spirodynamics um, very deeply and did all sorts of trainings in that and delivered trainings. Uh, yeah.
1: Indeed. I mean, th- there was a long time in between the, those two things. Okay. So, well, What, you know, what was what
0: was going on in, in this long what time? What was going in on in between. between?
1: Yeah. What was going on in between? Well, the, I think one of the things that happened was I got in, uh, into uh, rebirthing and the, what was uh, then called the loving relationships training, which was a kind of creation of the re- rebirthing movement because all the problems that I was having that, you know, I I described that got me into the bookshop were really about how kind of relationships and me and how do I relate to... Um, women and so I mean I was I I was doing I was doing rebirthing for several years I could you just describe what rebirthing is what's rebirthing rebirthing is a kind of yoga-based technique um, in in origin um, that Leonard Orr had kind of brought out of his experience and uh, his connection with a, a A guru avatar called Babaji and it's a process of conscious connected breathing and it's called rebirthing because one of the things that it can take you back to is the experience of your birth and it has underneath it the concept that there are things that happen to people during the birth experience in which they make conclusions about the world like um that it's that it's painful or that um it's you know my experience was one was one of shock i was born really fast and so i had instead of having a kind of gentle birth transition i was just kind of whoosh you know it was like a a three-quarter of an hour of labor as i understand it and um so some people come in um the world because their mother is experiencing pain they come up they come in with the notion that I cause pain to women or um, there's a reaction around them in the birthing room where they're perceived to be um, ugly and the, that's either either said or they pick it up intuitively, and so they carry that. So the idea of rebirthing was that if you go back and you re-experience your birth, you can actually unwind the intensity of of whatever those thoughts are. I mean, I, I would now say there are much easier ways of dealing with that that stuff. Rebirthing is really hard work. Um, so it, it's, it sounds a little bit like holo, holo-
0: holotropic breathing.
1: It probably is. I don't actually know. uh, I don't know that technique specifically, but there is a lot in you know. (laughs) There's a lot of techniques that begin with uh, with H O L O that are in that that kind of realm of the real understanding of the depth of the mind body connection and how much is kind of embedded in in our 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 body mind and Mm. how that uh, uh, drives our lives.
0: Well, breathing techniques have obviously got a, a long very long history and and they're and they're extremely popular um and i think probably with the popularity of wim hof method and things like that now people are are more open to the idea of breathing pra- exercises being very very powerful in creating uh, extraordinary states of consciousness um or, or or embodiment or physical abilities um you know like the wim hof stuff yes um, and that you can, I think the reason why I bring up Stanislav Groff and the holotropic thing is they invented that because they, used, they did LSD research and then that was made illegal. Um, and they found that they could do these breathing techniques uh, that would give people st- vaguely similar experiences to um, uh, the LSD experiences. And what was coming up a lot was people experiencing being born. Um, I think I, I think I'm remembering correctly. So it's so a bit of a, a link up with that.
1: Yeah, well, that totally makes sense. And I, you know, I I would certainly go along with you know your advocacy for breath work in general. I think it's maybe you know best done without the sense that you have a purpose in mind of experiencing your birth. I, don't, I think that's the bit that I feel is un is not necessarily as productive. uh uh, you know dealing with issues i think there are so many things you know with i don't know um, emotional freedom technique or havening technique or you know so many different ways of getting underneath the tensions of the body and releasing patterns in the mind or traumas that are held in 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 the mind and the mind body space i think there's a lot of very elegant stuff that's come up in maybe only in the last Ten years or so, that is
0: you know, you know a huge benefit to what people can can do I think what, um, <clears throat> I've talked about breathing techniques with uh, several other people, and one thing that always comes up is the importance of getting some proper instruction in how to do this stuff. It's not DIY um because I think you you can really screw yourself up through doing breathing techniques wrong because they they do. Precipitate very powerful um, experiences in your body emotions and mind and all that stuff um, yeah
1: yes yeah I mean I, t- I I think all of these opening processes are really much better done with support I mean when you talked about psycho psychedelics I mean you know for for my generation that was just a kind of recreational trip but yeah Now, if I, you know, knowing what I know now, I would be saying, well, you know, go and take mushrooms with a skilled shamanic practitioner and and get supported through the the journey and actually use it effectively for awakening. Uh, And with, you know, with that de-risking process of having somebody, because I, I did see people around me who had um, you know, who had bad trips or who got triggered into schizophrenia, for instance, um, you know, by doing uh drugs badly. So all of these things really they should you know, they should come with a health warning.
0: Hmm. And I think where there's a whole nother line of uh inquiry and exploration around how to find somebody who's going to help you learn about this stuff but not abuse you <laughs> so you know um that's true uh, i mean I, I, if you ta- in, in your the, your telling of your story if you have any um experiences like that and how you navigated that that would be would be a good thing to explore because you know it's um the there have been many many casualties of of people who have basically given up their own personal will you know to powerful and charismatic instructors in these areas and uh and it's uh you know we've all heard the horror stories and um, and uh i think there there are lessons to be learned that we cannot repeat you know hopefully not repeat some of these mistakes but i mean some of it deals with such primitive psychology that um perhaps we you know we're always at risk of this and uh that, you know,
1: it's a it is a challenge that's kind of built into the nature of what gets people i mean let's face it my story as i've as I've told it I kind of went in with a degree of of underlying vulnerability you know that was what drove me to even be exploring and I think that's actually of,
0: very common for most people, probably the same story yeah. I
1: I think that's almost certainly true, and you know I I think in that sense I was fortunate in that there was a there was a, a sort of sense of of you know I have these areas of of weakness but I was not a I was not a weak or vulnerable individual in other senses, but I all through my life I have seen people who uh, were vulnerable so I've never been exploited in the sense of somebody truly taking uh, power over me or it leading to abuse but I have seen that enough you know as like you heard plenty of stories I did have a few places of the how badly you go wrong when you Um, in a sense give your authority away so I wasn't abused but I there were a couple of occasions when I allowed other people who were supposedly more connected than I was to um, influence the decisions I made against what really was my better judgment no, i sort of <clears throat> um i thought oh i'm you know kind of i'm supposed to be surrendering my ego here um
0: uh, that that's another one of these it, i binary either or things where it's like well, do I surrender my own um self authorship uh t- to somebody else or you know or or do I have to keep that and i and i'm always cynical and critical of of anybody who's gonna try and help me and it's and and i think again you know coming back to this integrating thing you you don't have to you can do both you know you can maintain healthy boundaries your own sense of of authority and belief in your own gut and heart and mind um and at the same time get in a very um expanded mutuality uh relationship with someone who knows more about something than you do and you're open to receiving their wisdom um and and instruction and tuition but it, without doing that you know just totally giving yourself up to it it's it's quite a, i mean it's a subtle thing isn't it because um it, uh, you know too much of of either is uh, n- is not creating the most fertile conditions for development really Indeed. I mean,
1: what I would, I I guess, say with the benefit of hindsight is I would always say to somebody, start from the position that you will never do something that doesn't feel right to you. And then on top of that, put the intention always to be asking questions of yourself and being willing to listen to the invitation from other people to ask a question or being willing to receive challenge and being willing to kind of go deep with that and kind of say okay here's something which is being put in front of me you know what if what if I went that way and kind of open that up but if what you then still get in your body is, no, I'm not doing that, then you go with the no because you're, it, it's, it's either wrong and it's somebody else's opinion or it's something which might be a good choice for somebody else but you're not ready for it yet and you, you can't safely go down that path and and you know the flip side of of that i mean you know these days i don't do a huge amount of coaching but i do do some and it it really has to inhabit the way that i approach uh, the conversation with the client in how i ask questions and it's never my job to be directive and i think it, it it's never the job of whatever kind of practitioner support context we're talking about, it's never the job to be directive except possibly about how to use the technique, but how to live your life is a completely different matter.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you um, that's a useful sort of discerning when somebody is uh, overreaching what, you know that the, what you're there what they what you and they are there for you the instructor and the student are there for they are they're there to learn something particular and I, I think we all got some kind of intuitive sense of when someone starts reaching beyond that boundary into other areas of of life it feels a bit intrusive and um I mean I my personal belief is that 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 belonged to an era of gurus that is over uh now i don't i don't think that in the you know integrating the insights of traditionalism modernity and post-modernity if you bring all of those together you you there's no room really beyond that for that traditional role of a guru that just tells you everything about how to live your life and um i mean there's um you know uh, religious traditions of instruction instruction that tell you how to go to the toilet you know and things like that it's it it, that level of micromanaging the lives of students i think just doesn't really have a home in this era we live in um but plenty of people would disagree and push back against that um but i think we're we're not saying that we have the answers to this but it's it's an exploration we're all going through Um, yeah. yeah and i think you know
1: there is an option with those kinds of instruction to say okay this is a discipline it may benefit me to see what it's like to live within a discipline and to to go in with that frame of mind but that's different than abandoning your life to the process. You still at that point say, okay, this is still my choice. I am choosing to explore this path. I'm t- t- choosing to see what it's like to live this way and what I can learn from it. But you don't. You still haven't given up the underlying sense of um, what, what, you, what you call self-authorship. The one place I, f- I I got into trouble with most, and it happened it, well, it, same place but twice, different people, is with channels, because people who channel, they are kind of placed in the position where you're not you're supposedly not hearing them, you're hearing the voice of some outside spiritual authority coming through them and the the two times where i made unfortunate choices on the basis of what was being said by channels in both cases i later saw that even though these were quite gifted channels nobody is immune from their own internal perceptual filters so for instance the one example was of a a a channel who gave me some advice about my relationships with my sister and my son and who i later recognized that the filter that that had come through was totally around her completely dysfunctional uh, relationship with her twin sister and her relationship with her parents so she could be spot on in all sorts of areas but she was completely wrong about that so you know channels have feet of clay too and um, it's it's this is like it as you said it can be quite subtle as to how you manage that relationship with the notion that there is a universe which kind of contains information and, and knowledge and spiritual wisdom that is much greater than what I've got inside here but how do I manage my relationship with that
0: mm. yeah but it's it's a it's a vast As you say, vast universe. I mean, one of the things I've learned through years of taking psychedelics is just how the the just the sheer range of experiences we can have beyond what we normally have. And um, you know, a lot of the time I come away from it not really knowing what I've just seen. (laughs) It or, or but it's um, so beyond the normal reference points that I think you know one of the the main benefits from it has has been loosening up my sense of, of how limited, uh, you know, experience can be, but to try and make sense of, of such a vast domain of, uh, sort of subtle, the subtle realm. And, um, uh, it, it's a very messy world and, and really we our detailed understanding of it is so primitive at the same, but, but, the the only way i think intuition is kind of one of our best tools to take into that place currently because the sort of science of the subtle realms is, is i mean even though it's got you know a, a few thousand years of tradition in it it's in an, uh, that's not a really very long time and the science is is quite limited uh, really when you know when you've actually seen how much is out there um it's quite a daunting prospect to to kind of tease out some of the things and it's i think it's sort of moved. i' think about the science thing that uh, uh the science education I had in school was was very newtonian and um quantum Uh, science had been around for at least a hundred years, you know, but it wasn't really featuring in my science education at school. So I kind of grew up with a, with a, with a Newtonian worldview, even though, you know, for a hundred years, there'd been this whole other way of seeing, seeing the world. And, um, and I think the kind of chaos of the subtle realms we're describing is very much tied in with this new, newish physics. Um in in a way that none of us have really understood. I mean I you know, people like Deepak Chopra uh, you know, speak with very seeming authority on on an understanding of how quantum physics relates to the mind and all of this stuff. And it's um I think I'm. I'm always a little bit suspicious about people making very bold statements about such a chaotic world. And uh, I mean, it's it, that was quite a long, rambling, fairly disjointed monologue by me. But it's an
1: important. It's an important
0: area. I
1: mean, the the value of the whole kind of quantum arena in physics is that it does start to challenge our notions of of what reality is uh, and of the the kind of material nature of reality as distinct from something which is going under on underneath which is living in the realm of What is between energy and matter? And so, you know, there are there are some really good books that kind of opened up that space thirty years ago, like Dancing Wooly Masters and you know Fritschoff, Capra, yeah, Yeah. Tao Physics, Tao Physics, and so you know that was that was wonderful, and it started to kind of pull out the notion that we're not really seeing what is, we're just seeing something, which is a certain representation of what is. Um, and I mean, I, I talk about, it's, you know, it's one of the threads in, in the science of possib- possibility. I actually talk more, more about biology and evolution and, and body stuff than I do about physics, but of course the physic ha- physics had to be in there because it's such an important framework but the thing that gets missed or somehow people don't yet get to or most people don't get to when they write about this or what's presented is that okay the way that you were taught in school and the way that i was taught in school and 99 percent of what you would hear through the tv or read in the newspapers is still based on the newtonian perception and on all the very mechanic, mechanical or mechanistic ways of working with the world so the whole conversation about covid is about kind of uh, how will we get a vaccine and can we find a drug in the meantime kind of thing it's it's very it is it doesn't deal with anything that goes outside of that frame but it also kind of it It's perpetuated the split between the material reality and the spiritual reality that that sort of sense that I have to choose one one or the other. It kind of sits in the space where, well, if I want to choose the alternative, going to the old world and to the Newtonian reality somehow feels like, well, that just messes things up. because. I can't equate the two. So I will just go off into the energy realms. But what you then get is that people find themselves in the this, this space of saying, well, everything is energy. But that, to me, is a complete chocolate teapot. I mean, you can do nothing with that notion that energy, that everything is energy. It doesn't deal with, okay, so what then happens... When energy becomes matter, what happens when we as beings who are underneath, we we are all energy because everything is energy. What has happened in the process of embodying? What's happened in the process of incarnating? What happens in the process of how the whole universe unfolds at the boundary between energy and matter? And that is where there's a the, the traditional way of looking at consciousness has typically been as seeing it as something you know consciousness is there's something outside us which people would put they would call God or they would call whatever they chose the the notion that there is something external and then there is consciousness as okay. I have consciousness, I am a conscious being, I have awareness. There is something that I do which involves a perception, a perceptual process which is beyond that, which is just inside my body, or is beyond what comes through my usual kind of, you know, sight, sound, smell, touch, taste notion of what sensing is. And going into psychedelics tends to unwind some of that. But it doesn't get us to the point where we understand what I believe is the reality of the universe, which is that the way the universe is shaped into material form is governed by informational laws. It's governed by... Processes of information flow that Describe what shapes things will take and then when you expand that into how we are as human beings that actually we are beings of information Who are currently manifesting ourselves as physical incarnated bodies and It is the information that the universe holds ab- about itself. It is the information that underlies who we are that drives the unfolding of creation. So when you come to the part of the, you know, the, the alternative world that comes out in movies like The Secret or um, is in Law of Attraction. or that is beginning to become much more visible through people like Joe Dispenza and, um, you know, the work of being able to do healing through an internal process. The reason that that works is because what you are changing is the information that is underneath and is structuring the material reality. And that's quite a huge shift, really, to, to, to make from the thinking that we have matter and somehow consciousness is kind of beyond matter to the perception that consciousness runs through absolutely everything and is what manages the shaping of everything and what manages the process by which
0: you or I create our reality. Probably in terms of lots of people understanding this or seeing the world this way, probably the best chance of that happening is 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 AI unlocking some of these secrets for us. Perhaps I don't know on on a large scale. It's it's quite there is pretty esoteric stuff. what you're, what you're yeah, about. I, th-
1: I have misgivings about... Well, I mean, I, I think it depends how it's used and, and how it's approached because a lot of it is kind of a, a fairly sledgehammer approach to kind of the raw data of the world which doesn't sit in the consciousness realm. And it's going to depend very much on on the ability that people program into AI to really ask the questions about the underlying patterns that are less material and that are contextual and I don't know how I'm not yet clear on how AI is going to get into the human experience.
0: Yeah. Well I think um you know before we move on that uh the the insights of quantum physics have not really penetrated the mainstream view of life you know the average person walking down the street is still walking through a billiard ball world of a newtonian world really um, and and i think it's up to culture through you know movies and media general and uh, you know or from all angles this uh, filtering through of some of this quantum uh, physics into the mainstream world might could bring about something quite quite amazing um but it's it, it's not looking it like it gonna happen anytime soon sorry no
1: it would be valuable but i think that the thing uh, one of the things that i i think we have to recognize is that if you don't spend most of your time in the billiard ball universe then the danger is that you have a oneness experience with the bus when you're crossing the road yeah Yeah. And and you know it it's actually the nature. I I think it's the it's the challenge. It's possibly the game that we chose to play when we thought, okay, let's take our, you know, our our souls and let's incarnate them in physical beings, is that is a huge challenge for us to deal with the physical reality because it exists and because it is it's kind of fundamental at the moment to our biological survival. And yet to recognize ourselves as well, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We're not human beings having spiritual experience. And that's a that's a big Mm, flip. You know, a lot of people think we are human beings having a spiritual experience. And okay, you know, you can have a really good life for that. And I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that people have to make a, a different choice, but it's not my my choice. My choice is to see myself as a spiritual being who has chosen an incarnated biological experience
0: mm, yeah that's that's a really good uh, thing to say it's, it's a it's a 180 flip and it's very much related to um waking up in the spiritual traditions to your identity as something transpersonal and that becoming more of a stable realization so you're more and more throughout your life you you feel that you are some supreme being which is beyond um you know these the limits of a personality having a personal experience um as you say rather than the other way around um so uh, what's what's next we've kind of veered off a bit from your story uh the um
1: well, there's a couple of directions I, sh- I, I could go. I think the one I, uh, that's at the top of my mind to go first is to say that in, in recognising the importance of intuition, that taking people, or for us to take ourselves into the space where we develop our own knowing through deepening the, the inner process of connection, is really helpful for the process of, this, of, of making sure that we're centered in this is what I know and this is what I choose and not giving away our authority. And it's also really useful in getting a wider awareness of, how, of what our capacities are with the relationship that we can have with this informational universe. The original experience of being inside somebody else's experiential space inside their body, you can generalize that notion as to, well, potentially your sensory capacities can be inside anything or in any place to be aware of anything. And as we expand that as a... Uh, As an experiential reality, what we build as a capacity is the ability to be walking around as a body inhabiting the billiard ball universe, but still to have the flow of information which is coming from the universe of information consciousness and which potentially can be guiding our choices making sure we're in the right place at the right time to have the best experience that we might have that is what we are asking for in our lives or all of those kind of more um kind of esoteric notions of how we might guide our lives and and what happens to us and to be in a creative space with it so you know that to me is why the the stuff that i do around people training their intuitive capacities why i think that's important and why i think it's valuable because it then begins to inhabit every other part of uh our experience What whatever it might be you know, it, 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 it could be being more sensitive when you're playing squash to where the ball is going to be that you're a fraction of a second further ahead of the game than you otherwise would be it it has no kind of necessary context you it's something that can be applied in any part of existence
0: it's like like being a, a jedi from yes. star wars <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean that what a what a wonderful movie what a wonderful mind opening concept opening space that that that
0: created yeah, I, no, I feel I, really. What I'm talking yeah. about is the, is the force, as
1: much as as they were. I just don't use that language. Yeah,
0: I, I feel really lucky to have grown up with that as my mythology. Uh, Star Wars. It's a pretty good one. <clears throat> totally. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, yeah, uh, and you said there was a second thing you were
1: well the other the other place to to go i think is is the the other big thread in my journey and you kind of started to talk about it a while back was um coming into contact with spiral dynamics was the start of something i mean in the meantime you know as well as doing all this personal exploration i i I had a i had regular jobs you know i was a you know i went from being an, an analyst to a project manager and an IT director and then a IT consultant and doing all that stuff inside business. So I had a huge focus in understanding how businesses work and it all sort of came back when I, when I came across Spiral Dynamics, which was a, you know, a wonderful piece of serendipity. It was, it was a beautiful example for me of accidentally, with no prior plan being in the right place at the right time to bump into Don Beck and end up walking through Bath having a half-hour conversation with him. And Spiral Dynamics was the point at which I got the answers that I went to university seeking, the questions that I was asking when I was 15. It started to, it just laid out oh so that's how we work that's what drives how we think that's why we make certain decisions at certain times that's what gets us into that space and out of that has been unfolding i guess over you know the, the last 15 plus years a sense of okay this way of seeing the world what is notion of the the extent to which everything is systemically connected you know there are that a corporation is a system or um our our government is a system or our ways of running our local club are a system or all of these things they they're not just bits of uh, kind of sets of linear things that are going on they are a lot of embedded complex relationships that in order to make change you have to be able to get some sense of of the whole and how one part of that whole relates to the rest so that if you make a change here what's going to be be the ripples and that systemic notion of how humans are and how we construct our world and the things in our world more lately has led me to into the understanding that it's not just a system in the mechanical sense it's a living system so you know there are there are things that have been emerging in the world over the past 10 years um like there's a wonderful book called the hidden life of trees which talks about the whole relationship of a beech forest and how beech trees are not individual entities, they are a set of connected life forms which are sharing uh, resources and they're doing that through the, the fungi and the micro rhizomes and the, all, all sorts of things in their ecology. That there's an increasing need for us to understand that we are a living system uh, at every level i mean the body is a living system because you've got you know 40 plus trillion cells each of which sits inside its little membrane and each of which is, has its own uh, i kind of identity and can come and go you know cells die and the, how 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 many hundred million of your skin cells have died dur- during this conversation you know that there are in inconceivably large numbers of things happening in our our bodies to the individual components and yet the system rela- remains the system and so that is that is a truth about every part of life and how when we look at what is happening in the world and particularly because we are coming into an era where everybody understands at the Big level that you know you can't mess with the climate without an impact, but the sense of the whole chaotic, um, volatile, unpredictable way that the universe is behaving—that in order to be able to survive or thrive in the world as it is, and in its all its complexity and all its speed of movement, that we have to be able to step out of what we have historically done, which is to look at causes and effects, and rules which are about what is right or wrong, and which takes us out of a sense of there's a system that we're surfing the wave of and that we need to be adjusting where we are on the surfboard in, a, in every moment because the conditions are changing and what was the right balance um, a second ago is not the right balance now. And that, that, that perceptual field applies at every level of who we are and what we do. So if we want to build better organizations, we have to start to learn how to see organizations. As living systems in which there are kind of cellular components which are human beings and there are mechanical components which are processes and all of that everything in the world we need to be embracing this sense of the living system so that we can be with it and and uh,
0: make better choices with it so a, a living all living systems um, evolve and change over time. It sometimes become more complex, or sometimes break down. But um, so, one of the one of the insights, fundamental insights of this spirodynamics, well, uh, way of seeing things is is to in the design. If you're stu- if you're designing anything like your life or your your lifestyle or your plans for the future or uh, a company, any organization, you need to factor in um, this, the room for growth or there's some kind of flexibility um, to allow for the unpredictable changes in, in this kind of deeper structure. Um, So the kind of structure you're talking about is a bit like um, when you take the plug out of a sink, you get that wh- little whirlpool thing all the the water passing through the whirlpools changing all the time if there was a spider in the sink and it got sucked down the um the, the plug hole it would travel through that uh, spiraling vortex and then out but once the spider's gone the spiral's still there you know it's um it's a structure in, in it's in it's a quite a, an abstract idea but it's also a very concrete reality because we see it in things like uh, these whirlpools that you get in them um, in a bath, for example, for example. Yes. And, but these underlying structures can change um, and, and, and quite radically over time. So, I mean, I'm, I, I, well, this is where the the analogy with a, a bath plug breaks down because a bath plug is just going to create that structure forever. Um, but when you're co- when you're part of a, of a wider more complicated system than more complicated than a bath um the possibilities for some of these underlying structures to actually mutate and change and very radically alter all of these surface structures that would run through them um has to be taken into account too uh yes and we don't know quite how these large these structures are going to change over time i mean it's because it's unpredictable it's an evolutionary process and what comes before is not really going to necessarily look like what's come i mean what, what comes next is not going to look like what comes before um, and i think how that applies uh, to our lives is to is to, k- to k- keep a, a kind of an open-endedness there um, and not always try and do things the same way all the time. It, what worked in the past will probably stop working at some point. And if you keep trying to do that over and over again, um, you're not taking into this, into account this information structure, organic living process, systemic process that, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, T- totally. Because, yeah, change changes kind of built into you know that's what life is nothing stays static and so you know part of when you're looking at um personal choice it is about entering the space where it genuinely is choice as opposed to habit so what you're describing is is that we we have the awareness that in any any moment what might serve us is not what has served us before and uh, of again as you described opening up the process and so in organizations you know that has um that's been going on incrementally for quite a, a while and it's shown up in things like agile which is know a way of companies adopting something which is deliberately more more flexible and uh, more open-ended but there's a bigger piece underneath the whole of it which is an understanding of where is the intelligence in the system so sometimes i often i like to use this little um, Image of uh, asking you to think of a sunflower so just see a
0: Mm
1: -hmm. picture of there's a sunflower that imagine you were looking at a picture of it and what do you know about the sunflower so what most people know about the sunflower is that the sunflower turns to face the Sun it will follow the Sun and then ask yourself the question in the sunflower that makes that happen because a sunflower doesn't have a brain the intelligence is in the system and what happens when you then reflect that image back into okay how do we look at human created systems and organizations and engage with the question of where is in where is the intelligence in the organizational system and it's actually you know a huge amount of it is in the people in what the people see what they what the choices they are making moment by moment so part of the organizational challenge is to liberate more of the intelligence that is there and uh stop subjecting it always to, to top-down limited perspectives and the same applies to the the body we tend to take a top-down view of the body because we most of us have been kind of conditioned into the belief that everything is decided in the brain and there you know you may know and other people may know that there's Lots of other stuff going on like there is a huge amount of um, Neurology and activity and intelligence that is embodied in the heart and that actually the heart sends more information to the brain than it receives from it And then you can look at the fact that the whole of the intelligence of the body is mediated by um, Not just what? people tend to think of as this computer model with with nerves and bits of of kind of biological wire it's actually mediated by messenger chemicals or you know hormones the the big picture of what hormones are and that every every cell is influencing the context of how the body operates because there are Uh, messenger chemicals going across the cell membrane barrier and affecting what happens inside the cell. And there are chemical messengers coming out from the cell and affecting what the rest of the body knows about what is happening in that cell. So there's, there's this kind of deep intelligence that is not where we have been trained to think it is. You know, we've been trained to think that it is here in this kind of gray blob that sits between our ears but it's not
0: yeah so that's so i'm just trying to sort of we've gone quite abstract here and i'm trying to just tie this back to your own life and um this kind of systems view that we're describing here um did it so I, I, I like thinking of good quality theories as being psychoactive transformational things. We sort of think that, um, you know, our minds, if we're into spiritual stuff, that our minds are, are, are the kind of worst part of ourselves or something. And that a, a good theory like spirodynamics can actually change your identity when you encounter it it can completely change the way you see the world um and in fact can change organizations and governments and you know this massive in, um reach with these 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 things can be like bombs going off inside you know the mental space of a person or humans and just totally transform the way life looks um so one thing that's it's um uh, i'm sort of th- picking up there is that it changes the the way that i view my body to see my body as as an entire system intelligent system um rather than as you're saying this between our head between our ears you know that's the kind of <coughs> hq the, the the hq is 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 our entire bodies um and uh that that's quite a radical shift um
1: it you know, is. The, they, and, the, and like you say, it it is all very, yes, I mean, you know, I, I do tend to go into uh, ab, ab, abstractions because it's how I think, but it does come down to practical stuff because based on spiral dynamics and what spiral dynamics r- allows an organisation to reveal of itself, you can begin to see okay what is blocked you have you know we were talking about living systems and you you said you know they they have a natural they have an evolutionary flow but uh, and there is a, a process of emergence which you can either inhibit or support in terms of where is this organization naturally going or what what is it expressing of its, itself that it could do or would do if it had a bit more freedom and a bit more awareness of itself uh, to enable it to do that so th- spiral dynamics you know I I'm I, I, I'm totally passionate about spiral dynamics and I'm you know I'm a, a trainer because I want more people to know about how it can work and I want more people to know how they can transform transform their organizations, and I want no more people to understand what it tells us about ourselves psychologically, because you know, all the parts of the spiral dynamics kind of perceptual framework, the the stages of development that it describes, they're all inside us, and they're all inside, you know you've got small children so you're watching some aspects of that unfolding as they as, as they go through their developmental process that you know if we were to use if I use and dynamic language for a minute that you know they've been through beige and it's total helplessness they they've they've been through purple and its complete sense of, who are? How do I bond with what's around me, and what's my relationship with with my my people, my my sense of my identity with my environment and my tribe? And then there's the, the you know what they go through in, in the terrible twos of of kind of well who am I and how do I embody myself? Where what's my personal will? What's my relationship with my own empowerment? What's my relationship with my power the power of myself and others so all of these things you know at, at every level the the concepts that you have described in the spiral dynamics they inform what happens in the development of individual humans as they grow up it in in the habits how do we relate to the world from a psychological point of view uh, in how we live our lives now and what what facilitates that or what blocks it it relates to what shows up in the organization and where the dynamics of the organization itself are uh kind of healthy and balanced and where they get stuck and unbalanced and in society in on the big up to the biggest level of of kind of large-scale dynamics of political socio-economic systems So, I mean, yes, it's, you know, it's, it's huge. And when you, if, if you want to kind of see the world in uh, that kind of big systemic socio-psychological context, it's, it's wonderful. And as you describe, it's transformational.
0: Yes. It's, it's a, it's a real unifying theory that, that unifies the, the big and the small in the sense that we, we see it in our own individual uh, psychological development through our lives. Um, but then you, you see it in the systems, the the wider systems of society and culture. Um, and there's something, um, I, I think fractals are a, an amazing, amazingly concise, um, um, representation of this of a sort of fundamental insight into the nature of things um and uh you know i think there's something very fractal about spirodynamics with this linking of the the small and the big but in the way that this you know our own personal developments is reflected in the, the larger scale developments but they're not entirely identical you know which is um, where the fractal thing comes in that you zoom out things are kind of similar but they're not totally the same so if that makes any sense and i don't know whether that applies yes, to it,
1: yeah well it, it it does apply and and basically i mean each each has an influence on the other so an individual where an individual is functioning from may have an effect on their organization or on their social group or on their um, you know, on, on what they're able to uh, cause to happen in, in society if they, if they take roles that facilitate that. And at the same time, everybody is shaped by what is around them. So, you know, what is going on in your company uh, will shape how you function as a, a member of that organisation or you, whatever is going on you know in society will shape how we function as members of society it's a can it's a nested process i mean you know you, you, you would those who are familiar with integral language would would know the notion of kind of it's holonic. you know you've got things inside bigger things and lots of different kind of nested uh representations of what goes on and and
0: spiral transitions or transits across all of them so in terms of your own life how this impacted your life is that uh, you then started a, a business training organizations and, and stuff within spiral dynamics becoming a bit like a consultant is that, uh, that
1: i i i do have a i do have a a part of what i do is is a business which operates in in the consultancy space and i you know I, so i have stuff that i do on my own i have stuff that i do with other with colleagues i'm part of an organization called future considerations which does lots of different things but which has a huge amount of spiral aware uh awareness in how it approaches dealing with companies so yes you know that that was the extension out of being uh involved in managing big programs in and transitions that companies were make, making, mo- mostly around IT systems back then, um, is th- that recognition of what's the relationship between between the people and the systems, and how do you make those flow together? So that's an important part of my work. Um, just teaching spiral dynamics as a, a theory in itself and as a practice in itself is a big part of what I do. So. Uh, I'm later today i'm f- uh, doing the last in an online training uh, in organizational development as a spiral dynamics application and in september i'm going to start delivering another online training which is about individual personal development leadership and coaching as an application of spiral dynamics so you know those are those have become very much kind of embedded threads in in my life and you know, one leads into organizational work, one maybe leads a little bit more into what I do with, with coaching. And then I have the stuff that is outside of both of those, which is you know the the work that I'm doing in producing um in in producing the intuition training and in developing other kind of personal support products which will help other people i hope go through some of the journeys that i've had with parenting or with my relationship to money or with my uh well where i started my relationship with relationships um you know all of these are things which i'm now trying to bring out what i've integrated over the last almost 40 years into something which will serve and support others so as to you know facilitate their journey and and their learning with
0: those kinds of issues. Are there um, things we haven't talked about which you think have been important parts of your kind of integral integrating journey That might be of help to other people or of interest in in how like what was some of the were there some things you encountered which you experienced as as limit too limited and you you what you wanted to bring in more well you've mentioned that you know when you studied psychology um at university it was being delivered in quite a um, limited view a bit uh, perhaps um sort of behaviorist type cognitive psychology uh, Uh, It was some of that, but
1: there was also a lot of kind of what was being called social psychology in those days. So, which was put about putting people into experimental contexts and seeing how they behaved. And some of it has 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 useful insights, but it's just not it's not what I really wanted to know, which is much more fundamental and is much more what Spiral Dynamics explains, which is how we how we think and why we behave the way we do.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's quite common for people to, who you know, get into this integral stuff to explore different avenues, but, but, but kind of bump up to some of the partiality in it, you know, the partial truths that are being peddled as the complete picture. And it, and it just doesn't make sense to people. Um, you know, I think you've, you've talked about this kind of materialist view of reality um, at a certain point, you were in your life, you were having experiences that didn't fit into that, and I, and I think you know then the there's an in, there, yes there's an impulse to say right well there's I know there's more to this I'm going to find out and I'm going to bring all of this together somehow, or you could the other option might be to uh, totally abandon shit with that, or uh, or double down and say right well I I can't face Making life more complicated than this, I'm just going to hunker down in this one avenue. And uh...
1: well, totally. And it 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 is a choice. And of course, sometimes what hunkering down might look like is okay. I'm just going to specialize in. I'm going to learn about this particular aspect of life, and I'm I'm going to become really good at that. And there's nothing wrong with that as a as a a, a choice. I mean, you know conceptually there are no limits but in practice there are things that i will never have the time to do mm. uh, and there are things which i don't I, I don't wouldn't particularly have the interest to do or i wouldn't be very good at um you know i i i tried plastering once i'm not good at that you know i mean it's like um i, I naturally i i have a natural tendency to to want to see what what's it like To do this I think the thing is to be open and to be willing to kind of uh, unless unless your intuition or your knowing of yourself says really this is not a place for me of being open and willing to say yes to what shows up and and one of the things um, it occurs to me to talk about Uh, which again goes right back to uh, it's only a couple of years after um the original silver training um and is connected with it because as a when i became a trainer i'm talking mid-80s at the um, onset of the aids crisis and um some of the people in the uh spiral dynamics uh, sorry in the in the silver network that i was connected with um, they were they were gays and they were very concerned about the fact they were beginning to see their friends die and we were on a course which at that time jose silver taught himself which was about using um using the methodology for hands-on healing for energy healing so try and shorten this story where that led to was the formation of a group which was going to go out and apply those healing techniques to people with AIDS and the first person we worked with was a, a guy of um, he, he was about six foot two and he was now down to the point where he weighed about a hundred pounds. The family had called um, a priest to administer the last light, last rites and he was predicted as having another four days or so before he would pass. And so the group started to work with him. I wasn't involved in the first uh, week of, of that, going in three di- three days a week using the healing techniques. At the end of that first week he was conscious end of the second week with another wave of people he was um, engaging actively with some of the visualizations that were part of the healing process and he was um, somewhere around that time he was he, he he was able to get up and take himself to the bathroom after four weeks of the process he left the hospital and somewhere I have a photograph of us all with him six months later when he came and attended a silver training for himself now why am I telling that story because I just want to open up the space of how much is possible when we I mean I said yes to to process, having nowhere, no no idea where it would lead. <clears throat> I certainly hadn't the slightest notion that it would lead to something which, you know, you could look upon in its context as miraculous. Oh, when he left the 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 hospital, he was also um, he no longer had any presence of uh, the HIV infection in his body. Wow. So what are we capable of? Mm. That's really where I'm going. You know, the, the, the extent of the possibility of what humans can do and what working with energy and consciousness can do. I was in that experience because I said yes and I was curious. And that's really, I suppose, what I'm encouraging people to do is to be open and curious and to follow what if you know what choice could i make here that would be different what choice could i make here that would open up my world in a way that i haven't opened it before and to just live in that mindset of awareness and curiosity and choice and engaging with the sense that there's a flow here what you know what if i could just get in get in more in the flow I I have a little, you know, I have a little book which is free, which people can go on to the um, access to possibility Facebook group, and they can get the ebook version of this, which is, you know, the simplified version of what does life look like when you choose to create it consciously. So when you engage with the field of information from the point of view that as a connected being you have influence over what happens, and you have influence over your awareness of the flow that goes with the intuition and then you have influence that is mediated by the fact that the the flow of information is two-way it goes it you can receive a lot but you can also put impulses you know and you talked about the fractal what happens if you put impulses in what if you are the butterfly wing in the fractal of unfolding that's that's where i that's where i've taken it that's where i am in my life with it now i guess is the the summary of of your line of questioning
0: yeah well that that it ties in very much with uh this the having having an uh an open-endedness built in to your sense of who you are that there's um we we the the forces uh from the from the world and life tend to you know kind of close us down to just through the sheer it's a kind of economy of energy you know you 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 basically you've got what you can deal with and you just kind of say well this is what life is and i'm just going to work with this and you kind of can end up closing yourself off from possibilities and and growth and I, I was thinking when you know my young children are so at home with rapid growth and evolution uh, through the through the years and um you know once we hit 18 21 or something like that in our culture that there's this assumption that that's it really people don't, people stop growing there and they they stop discovering new things. And um, some of the things you're talking about, like these uh, miraculous healings and and stuff and this uh, concept of, um, well, when I say the concept sounds a bit dry and impotent, but it's an actual uh, shift in our sense of identity to be more based around information and uh, this systemic view of us as being part of some enormously um, beautiful and sophisticated and uh, far-reaching informational system that we can't really necessarily grasp it with our conscious and rational minds because they're a bit limited and you don't even need to understand this because you are it you know when you are something that's kind of the first step and there's so much in that just making that shift initially that, uh, you know, it's people do tend to want to try and understand what's happening or what this is all about. And, um, not to say there's no place for trying to understand this, but, um, just that first initial shift, making that identity shift is quite a massive thing. And, um, It it sounds so. It's a very very simple idea, but to just have this unending growth mindset built into who you feel you are, and and also who you how you see society and culture and nature, that you know we we kind of think oh we're in a gridlock, you know things are stuck. Well, but that's partly because there was the way we're seeing it. You know, it's, it's just the way it is, and it's just broken, and we're just, but we're not haven't got this um one foot in this constantly changing open-ended new possibilities side of the street um totally yeah um it's much more fun
1: as well i w- i would say to to live in that yeah. space
0: yeah. yeah i mean you could call it a sort of progressive impulse but possibly uh, to make it a bit more normal <laughs> it's normal language you've got this sort of conserving impulse and a progressive impulse and obviously you need some kind of harmony between the two because otherwise if you take all the conservation away you've just got pure chaos you know so it's this this kind of yeah balance of the two um so you have some things some other you're you're developing a podcast too I understand Is it too early early to talk about that? Well, I I haven't totally decided
1: that that's where I want to go. Actually, I'm at the moment more interested in doing what we're doing, which is being on other people's podcasts than I am Mm. in having my own. I will probably do more live streaming um, on, you know, through through the Access to Possibility uh, Facebook page. Um, I'm not sure yet w- whether to go to a full-blown podcast i'm having conversations with um, a-, a very interesting uh, woman who i did a podcast with a couple of weeks ago about the possibility that we may jointly do a podcast which will be about relationships because she's interested in that and i've had lots of material i developed on relationships and never Put out into the world and maybe it's time so that's that's something that um you know it, i i will make people aware of that through the access to possibility but it, it'll be it'll come out under a, a different uh, label and we're we're just in the process of having those conversations it'll probably happen quickly because she <laughs> she she's very dynamic she wants it to happen now and I'll go with it because it feels fun Um,
0: so if if people want to find out more about your stuff it's access to possibilities a website or just a Facebook page
1: at the moment it's just it's a it's a Facebook page and it's a Facebook group Uh, so that would be the place to go now there there is a um, there is a website uh, on its way but um, yeah we've We've just hit some kind of technical snags with what I've chosen to do with that. And that's the conversation or a person who's doing doing that on my behalf. Um, so it may, by the time you put this podcast out into the world, there may be an access to possibility.net website, but I, you know, that's dependent on timing and I can't
0: promise. Mm okay so if those those are the the main ways people could find out more about what you do
1: those are the main ways to find out more about what i do except for the area of the spiral dynamics work where there's a definitely functional website called spiralfutures.com and so people who are curious about spiral dynamics and exploring that uh, or what i do with that um our best to go
0: there cool and is there anything else you feel we haven't talked about which is important <laughs> oh no no. no no not necessarily so important <laughs> no there's so much but uh
1: that yeah i mean we i i, I can talk for hours but i uh, but i think we've what we've what we've covered is a really good rounded package that i would be very happy to say yeah that'll do for now
0: okay yeah well thank you so much for taking the time to share your your journey and some of the insights uh, that you've and an important jewels you've you've come across uh, along the way um and um i hope people find this conversation useful um and uh i think um what one of the themes that's really come up in a lot of these conversations, and it's come up again with, with you, is is this um that seems very fit for our particular moment in history, our 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 time and, and culture at the moment, um, is this kind of unique path and trusting our own intuition, our own um gut instincts um the uh it it's it's kind of a new way to look at this stuff because we're so used to not really participating so much ourselves in the processes we go we go somewhere and we just take on board things um and uh you know look at what's already been done and we take it and this this kind of unique Self-authored path is is quite a new thing, and I think it's related to this open-ended possibility. That you know, there was a time where to have your own unique path was not a possibility; it was very frowned upon. You know, and uh, if you went to, it brought that kind of energy into a, a, any environment, people would try and knock you down. <laughs> You're like the the peg sticking itself up not not the peg back down again um and and i think we we live in an age which is it's, it's there's a lot of emphasis on the importance of the individual and uh that's caused a lot of problems with narcissism um you know everybody gets a gold star for participating you know not necessarily on whether they've done well those kind of things um, but at the same time people worry about uh you know that kind of the the dangers of narcissism and um uh even you know going so far as to be solipsistic about life and uh, just totally focused on on yourself um <clears throat> that that people worry that about that and uh but i That it's not it's not it's not always going to be the outcome of following your intuition and your gut. That's you're not just going to become a narcissist.
1: (laughs) Totally not, because if you're if you're aware and using your intuition in that way, you are aware of what the universe is calling for from you. And the difference, I think, between the two spaces is the, there's the, the way that people have been encouraged to see individual individuality as kind of satisfy yourself and, and have what you want. Uh, as distinct from what you're talking about and what I'm talking about, which is the desire for everybody to find their own place of true contribution into the universe because the big systemic picture is that if we're going to release all of the capacity of what humans can do, that is a bottom-up process. And it means you being the totality of who you truly can be. And it means me being the totality of who I truly can be. And that comes from our liberation of ourselves and our self knowing and uh and finding that connected space in which to express all of that so to me you know what you've just said that that is the context for all of this it's why i you know thank you for having me uh here to have this conversation because that is my ultimate desire is that everybody should find more of that release more of themselves and that is the way that this planet will become the best planet that it truly can be
0: yeah we're all we're, we're niches unique niches in the uh, ecosystem of this totally. massive system that we call our planet or universe and uh, and uh, we we've all got our unique slot to you know fit into um and and, and that's a good thing you mm-hmm. know indeed uh, Yeah. Well, thanks very much, John.